welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we were meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome back to Enhanced Living. Today, I am joined by a beautiful man who is a business consultant, a speaker, entrepreneur, former NFL player, founder of the High Stakes Training Program. My man, Brett Lockett, is here with me today. Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. How you doing? It's good to be here, man. I'm living in paradise. So we're in Los Angeles. I know things are closed down still with, with COVID and all, but I'm fantastic. I'm not going to complain one bit. And if I did, who's going to listen? <laughs> right? Nobody likes to hear anybody complain anyway. Not at all. Not at all. I know I hate a complainer at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, though? You, are, you do not strike me as the type of person who complains ever. You know what? I, I, I do have my, my fair share of things that I find wrong with the world, but um, you know, it's never a complaint. It's more or less a problem that I want to solve. So I tend to look at things instead of complaining, finding resolutions to be able to solve those things that I don't like. So. I like that. I, I'm, I'm a man of action myself. You know, I, I definitely love that. Find the solution instead of complain about the problem. As you know, it, right? And, and it all starts with finding what you want to do and figuring out how you want to do it in the world. So which leads me to my question. So you were in the NFL. You played football at the highest level, nationally, internationally even. And you are also a business consultant, serial entrepreneur, and you've created these amazing programs. Talk to me about how you got to this place. First and foremost, I'm definitely a diehard serial entrepreneur before a consultant, right? And you know that's just one of those things I have to tell people to let them know I'm coming in and helping them with their business. Otherwise, they're going to try to hire me and I I hate being, you know, I I love running my own company, right? So, um, but before all of that, I played football, right? And that's, uh, that was my life. Football was, was everything to me. And um, I took it to the highest level. And and the way I got there was through resilience and and hard work. And I didn't get into the NFL by normal means. It was really on a trial basis. So I tried out for the Cleveland Browns and ended up getting signed to the New England Patriots. And then I was there for three years. I was on injury reserve for three years in a row you know, tore my, my growing my first year, tore my tech my second year and, and tore my growing and my lower at my third year. And, you know, I found myself in 2012, not getting picked up by an NFL team. And so my agent at the time told me to play in a, in a league called the UFL, which is kind of like the D league of the NFL. And I was hesitant, but he said, you had, you have, you know, he's like, Brett, you don't have, you know, film, you haven't had film in three years. Like these, these scouts have nothing to see, you know, they, they see you can still play, but there's nothing to back it up. And then you have a, you know, a resume of an injury history. It's not going to help you. And so I went to Vegas, played uh, four games. They said it was going to be eight. The league ended up filing bank for, uh, for bankruptcy. I realized that I had, you know, four games of film, used it to my advantage, and then signed with the Jets in 2013. And so was there all year. They let me go after the second preseason game, and then I had to figure life out. 
So hold on. So you 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 finally make it to the NFL and then bang, you're plagued with injuries. I mean, that's yeah. that's something that can literally stop anyone in their tracks, but you kept going. So what was it that kept you going? So just to backtrack, my entire life I've always had to fight others. And I've always been the underdog. I was bullied in middle school to high school to college. And so I always leaned on sports. I always used sports as, as leverage to show others that I belong, show other people that I actually was good at something. And so I knew that when we stepped on the basketball court or the football field or the baseball field, that I was going to be the best there. And I utilized that to, to, to fuel everything else. And so putting work, putting my work ethic or building my work ethic in sports has led to everything else. And so that resiliency of, you know, being bullied and being, you know, spit on and, you know, having to go back to school the next day and then have to deal with the same people and same thing going into college. And then, you know, my last year at, at UCLA, I, I played ball there and, um, you know, I broke my arm against the USC Trojans. And so I literally had to decide and I was going to the NFL right after that, right? And it was, you're not necessarily, you don't have a chance of making it. You have to decide whether you're going to take the chance to get there. And so I remember my mother was like, Brett, do you really think you can get to the NFL? And I said, yeah, I do. And so, you know, I, I, I broke my arm and I still went to train and I still did everything that I was supposed to do in order to get there. But I've always had that mantra that I will outwork anybody. I don't care who it is. You can put them up to you. We can do anything. If, if I really care about winning, I'm going to outwork you. And it doesn't matter. That's just how I've always lived my life. I mean, that's, that's an absolute beautiful way to live. You know, it's, it's that never give up mentality. You said you were bullied as a kid. How did yeah. that, would you say that that's what shaped you to kind of push you into that mentality? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's weird, right? Because we, we tend to try to run away from our past, but it's our past that's either pushing us or pulling us back. Right. And so, you know, as much as I try to run away from it, it's, it's the thing that's propelling me forward because I still utilize that to, to this day that there's certain people that just don't want me to win. There's just certain people that are out there. There's certain energies that are, that are pushing against me. And every morning I got to wake up and I got to fight to get to where it is that I want to be. And so some people may not have that, that mentality. I think we all adopt the mentality based on our, our own personal experiences and the environment that we grew up in. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I definitely think that we're shaped by our experiences in childhood and what we've gone through. But, you know, there comes a point where you take responsibility and go, you know what? I'm not relying on that story anymore. I'm going to move forward as my own human, as my own man, as my own, or, you know, obviously you don't have to be a man, but you know, you're going to move on as your move forward as your own person. And I feel like, I feel like you've done that. It seems like you've taken this no fail mentality and you've moved it into business. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. A lot of it really started in my childhood, honestly, with my parents. Uh, There's really two main things that they always told me was never quit anything that you start. So if you start something, you're going to finish it. And they always told me to stand up for who I was. And those two things stuck with me through my entire life. And so even being bullied and, and, and dealing with all that adversity, it was like, all right, if you started this way, we're going to finish it. And you got to stand up for who you are. Don't ever let somebody put you down or tell you you're less than because you're more than capable of doing anything. And so I've always taken that with me and in the business there's this whole, you know, and being an entrepreneur is difficult. It's the hardest thing. It's, it's, it's like going from the NFL or football, uh, the, the highest league of football to the highest league of business, right? Because you're, you're really just solving problems and you're solving problems at a very, very high level and, and you're creating something out of nothing. 
That's the hardest thing. Think about it. It's the hardest thing to do is to be able to create economic upside for somebody who that, that didn't have that there or create a product or a service that wasn't there that's solving a problem at a very, very high level. And so going into that every single day requires a certain mindset. And, and, and right now, a lot of people are operating with fear, right? And, and you know, we're both big Tony Robbins fans. I, lo- I like to refer to it as fuck everything and run, right? And, <laughs> and that's how a lot of people are feeling about life right now. They're feeling like that about their business. They're feeling about that, like that about their marriage. They're, they're feeling like that about they're, they're just day to day, right? It's like, fuck, I don't even want to wake up anymore, you know? And, and I've, I've, I've had that feeling, you know, it's, 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 it's very similar to like being at training camp, <laughs> except there's, there's higher stakes on the line, right? When you're not playing for something and you're just like, when is this, this game is just going, when is it going to end? It becomes very difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And for every person and every business out there, they need to have light at the end of the tunnel in order to be able to push forward. Yeah. And it's sometimes hard to see. I mean, you know, you've brought up fear once, but it it came up before too. Cause when you said that there, you know, there's energies out there that just kind of don't want you to succeed. And, and then, you know, you talk about the fact that a lot of people operate from fear. It's the same thing that causes, you know, people to not want other people to succeed. They're afraid. They're afraid of uh, who knows what exactly, but keeping other people down, I think is really just a, it's, it's a byproduct of fear. So why, why do you, th- like, what do you think the reason is that people let fear rule their lives? Like, what do you think that it is that keeps them stuck in that place? Hmm. Well, it, it, I mean, it really comes down to neuroscience and psychology because, you know, when we look at the, the, the extremely old human brain, right, it was meant to keep us safe. And so right now, everybody wants to stay safe, right? Everybody's trying to figure out ways to stay safe. And, and in this world, it's not, you know, a dinosaur or a saber-toothed tiger. Obviously, we weren't alive when dinosaurs were alive, but <laughs> um, but it's it's my business. It's my relationship with my spouse. Sometimes it's getting out and talking to somebody to develop business. A lot of people are too difficult to ask the tough questions, right? And it's, and it's the, the fear of getting to know. And so I started to turn fear on my head, right? Because I remember when I got out of the NFL and it was a difficult time transitioning from the one thing you love, the one thing you've always done, the thing that you were great at and everybody loved you for to completely leaving it, not on your terms, but on somebody else's terms and having to redevelop a new skill set, become the best at something else was like, okay, well, first, what do I do? And then secondly, how am I going to get there? And so it was a bunch of hitting my head against walls and, continuously trying to bang through the wall to realize, okay, these, this is the, the path that I need to take, the path of least resistance to get to wherever it is that, that I'm trying to get to. But to, to go back to, to fear and how we're handling fear and how you should be handling fear, it really, you have to look at your past uh, failures because most people don't want to relive that past failure. And so you're only as successful as your biggest success, if that makes sense. So for me, my biggest success outside of or, or just in general in my life, because we all quantify things a little bit differently, but in my life, my biggest success is making it to the NFL, right? I would say my next biggest success is finding my next purpose after that, after making it to the NFL. So when I first got out of the NFL, I had this, you know, no matter what I went into, I had this kind of psychology that I could only be as good as I was in the NFL. And whatever it was that I was doing. And so, you know, yeah, I made it to the NFL. Yeah, I played for four years, but I didn't reach the level of success that I, I wanted to, to get to. And so 
everything else that I went into, I was very good at what it was that I was doing, but I would only hit a certain level of success. And it was because I was telling myself that I could only be this successful. And it wasn't until I realized that and I flipped that on its head and I said, I can be successful in whatever it is that I want to be. I choose the level of success that I want to be, or I choose the level of success that I want to have, right? Was when things start to really shift and change in my life. It's really interesting because, you know, you, you, you brought up this point of, you know, we really only achieve the level of success that we've attained already. And that's a real thing for human beings. Most people, they, they look at their past performance as an indicator of their future performance, right? Instead of realizing, hey, listen, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a dynamic divine being who can literally create my own experiences if I just choose to, if I just put my head down, do the work and put my intention out there, I can succeed. And so I'm talking to someone right now who literally attained the level of success that less than 1% of 1% of the population of people who play football actually make it to. You attained a level of success that's so lofty. It's, it's, I mean, it's insane. You, you know, you look at the kids out there throwing around a ball with their dad in the backyard, you know, and they're like, I want to play in the NFL. And most of them will not like just it's, and it's not, it's not a knock on them. It's just the way that this is right. And you got there. And even at that level, you were like, yeah, but I didn't get to the level I wanted to get to, which is, you know, that speaks volumes about A, your character and personality, but B, you then took that. And then when you left, you were like, okay, well, I already hit this level, but I didn't get to where I want, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go even further. And you did. So talk to me real quick about the, the high stakes training program, how you came up with that and, and tell, tell me about it. Yeah. So I was, um, uh, I, I attended Stephen Cotler, who's a great friend of mine and, uh, and Rian Dorsey, who, who run the Flow Research Collective. And for those of you that don't know what Flow is, Flow is being able to move consciously from one thing to the next at a very, very high level. It's really the, the, the superhuman power of the elites, right? I remember we, we went to uh, Seattle for the, the Flow Research Collective conference. It was about 150 people. And we all had projects we had to create. Um, when we came out of it. And so I was just inspired um, with what they were doing. And I said, I want to create something for entrepreneurs and, and executives, as well as everyday people to be able to perform at an extremely high level. And so I developed a eight-week program, which is called Ground Zero, which is the, the pillar program of the high stage training lab. But really, essentially what it is, is being able to unlock every element of your life from your mind, your body, and then your practice. Right, because those are the only three things that we can control, and if we can control those three things, everything else starts to fall into place. And so we go from you know understanding ourselves, right? Radical self-realization is the part, really the, the anchor to it, right? You have to understand who you are, and I know you're a big proponent of um, you know mindfulness and, and, and really digging deep and understanding where you are, where you came from, and where you're going, right? And so once we go from there, we have to look at what motivates us, right? What is the intrinsic motivator? Because Internal motivation is the only way to sustain high performance. If something external is motivating us, it's only temporarily. Looking at those two components to really start off with, and then we get into the science of goal setting, understanding how to set goals, right? Not just big goals. Hey, I want to start a nonprofit. Hey, I want to lose 50 pounds. But how do we create incremental goals to be able to get there? And then how do we map out a process in order to stay motivated, hit small goals, celebrate those small goals, and then move to that big goal, right? And then uh, we get into understanding the anatomy, understanding how the brain is wired, how to leverage our biology. And then we transition into mastering your craft and what, what comes down to, or how you master your craft is deliberate practice, finding a mentor, and then understanding which what game you're playing and 
in, in what you want to be the best at. Because most people are playing games in their life and that's not the game they want to play, right? They're, they're doing certain things. And, and I, I always like to talk about alignment because if you're aligned in everything that you're doing in your life, from your personal life to your career, your business, everything starts to go synergistically in one direction. And I know you're big on energy and I so am I, right? I believe that no matter you know, whether you're religious, you believe in a higher power, you believe in, in yourself, right? Everything has to go in one motion in order for everything to go accordingly. It's kind of like building a car, right? You can have one wheel on one side and two wheels on the other, or else you're going to be driving in circles, right? Yep. So being aligned and understanding your value system is, is huge. So that's 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 what high stakes is. And, and, and that's really the start of it. Once we go from there, then we start looking at your business. We start looking at your career. We start looking at where you want to go. And then we start getting into the small, minute details, right? The, the two millimeter shifts. I, I like to talk about this all the time because um, I remember when I went to Unleash the Power Within, you know, Tony Robbins, one of his key events. And um, it's life-changing if you've never begun to Unleash the Power Within. But Tony Robbins talks about if you fly from LA to Hawaii and you're off by two millimeters, you'll miss, you'll miss Hawaii by almost a thousand miles. I'm sure you've heard this before, right? And so it's the same thing when you're looking at high-performing people, right? High-performing people, you, you're not giving them... 10%, a 10% change, right? They don't need to change 10% of their life. They need to change literally a percent or maybe a le- less than a percent of their life. Or maybe they need to start looking at something a little bit different, maybe shift their perspective, right? Objectively. And so those are the things that we focus on once we really anchor down and, and break through ground um, zero. I mean, that's, first of all, that's super powerful and and so inspiring because it's so true. I mean, you talk about two millimeter shifts. It's, you know, a lot of people when they run into roadblocks in their careers, in their life, they think they have to just tear everything down and start over and, and change. But really, it's it's so often it's just this small little pivot that kind of just takes you right off into. And literally that little pivot can take you into an entirely different direction that you weren't even thinking of before. And then all of a sudden you've seen the most success that you've ever seen in your entire life. And so it's so powerful that a small, tiny little change can create such a huge difference. I totally get you. I mean, it's all you need is one. This is, this is a great part of my life, right? Your life can change in instance. I saw it. I was, when I first got into to the NFL, I made the team on the Cleveland Browns. I went on a tryout. I ended up making it. And then I came back and I went to training camp. And in the third preseason game, I ended up in the hospital. I, had a, I, I ran down on kickoff. I hit this fullback who was 250 pounds and it felt like two trucks slammed me together and I had this chest confusion. And so that was a Saturday night. I spent the night in the hospital. Thursday was the last preseason game. And that's when the twos and the threes played the entire game. And so I knew that I had to play. And so I took, I, I knew if I didn't play, I wouldn't have made the team. And so there's this painkiller called Tordal. And toward all the way you take it is they inject it to you and they inject it in your ass, right? And so before the game, I got a shot and then I ran out there and I said, okay, I'm feeling decent. Let me see how it goes during the game. And the first play of the game, running back Chester Taylor comes down on the Chicago Bears and I come up and hit him and I feel everything, right? And I literally played the worst game of my life. The worst game of my life, probably like top two. And so it, I, they started cutting people the next day. And so I'm like, am I going to be on the chopping block? And I didn't get a call Friday. Saturday, I got brought in and they said, hey, Brett, we want to put you on the practice squad. And so what the practice squad is, is that every NFL team can hold eight players on their practice squad roster that only practice with the team. They don't practice. They don't travel. They don't play in the games. 
But if someone goes down on the 53-man roster, they can bring one of these eight players up to that, to that roster and actually play the game. And so I was like, I was a little upset, but I was like, hey, it's better than nothing. I still have opportunity to fight. And so next day I'm sitting. So what they have to do is physically they have to cut you. So they have to release you from the team. And then the next day they have to sign you on a new contract. And so I'm sitting in the general manager's office the next day. And it's like, it's four o'clock. And my agent calls me as I'm sitting in his office. And I pick the phone up and he's like, Brett, pack your shit, you're going to New England. And I'm like, what? He's like, the New England Patriots just picked you up to that active roster. You're going to New England. And I'm like, I'm in the general manager's office. I'll call you back. I go see him. He's like, I don't know if you heard the Patriots just picked you up. I said, yeah. Took, packed all my shit that was in my suitcase. I've been living out of the Marriott for the last two months. And literally, I'm on a plane to Boston that night, right? So that was like within three hours, right? Next morning, I wake up. They pick, the, the, the Patriots staff picks me up. They bring me to the facility. And the first person that welcomes me is Bill Belichick. That was in 24 hours. Yeah, it's amazing how things can shift. Right? So when I say your life can change in an instant, it can. It can, but you have to have the momentum. You have See, life is, is a game of, of swings and momentums. It's just like sports. And that's why I love I, everything is, is momentum, right? And so I truly believe that every person has anywhere from four to five chances throughout their entire life to be able to create monumental shifts where it puts them on a completely different stratosphere than what their, their life would normally be. So like for me, if I didn't make it to the NFL, that was like one opportunity, right? If I didn't play for three years, that's another opportunity, right? If I didn't get into business the way that I have, right? So there's, there's these opportunities that allow you to go to the next level, but it's up to you whether you're going to capitalize on them or not. And it all starts with your intention every single day and how hard you're working to get there. That's, that's, that's really the basis of it. That's so true. I mean, I, I definitely, first of all, there's a lot of things that I can relate to with you on that. Uh, you know, on a different scale, of course, I, I haven't played for any major sports team, but you know, I've, yeah. I've hosted on television and I've, I've, I literally changed my own life around in 10 months just by shifting my attitude. And, you know, I talked about this on the show before, but essentially it was literally this tiny little shift from resentment to gratitude, which by the way, I know that seems like a massive thing because they're totally on, you know, either end of the spectrum. But at the end of the day, it was just a very simple shift in my head that made me go, oh, wait, you know what? No, this is wonderful. And then literally it was like, it was like that, that's what the first domino was. And then everything just kind of fell into place after that, which literally led me to very much this interview right here Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that I believe that everything you've ever done in life, right, has led you to this very moment that you're sitting in right here, right now. So when you look back on it, you can literally draw that straight line from whatever moment it was, right? For you, it was just that momentum, that decision to just go in and play hard and do what you had to do, even with the pain. And by the way, I've heard of Toradol before because it's been injected into me for other reasons. And so it's, it's powerful. And I'm I'm grateful for it because it helped me the few times that it's been there. But that's a whole other thing that we're not going to get into right now. That's another time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not relevant for today. Really, it's about looking at at how things can totally shift just by a shifting your attitude. You made a decision. You know, there's a lot of people who would have just been like, "Listen, my, my whole body is hurting. I I just I can't do this. Like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get smashed." You know, football is a game where it's the only one where the the objective is literally take that person down as hard as you can. It's the only one. You know, people yeah. say hockey's crazy. Hockey's amazing, but no one's going, they're not going after the person. They're going after the puck. You know what I mean? With football, it's literally man-to-man collision and that's it. And you were in pain and decided to play anyway. And so while I do believe that, yes, you can, you can intend things and you can change things in that perspective. 
it's about the actions that we take with the intention that we set. Don't you think? You have to. I mean, your, your, your thoughts, and that's, this is why, you know, I, I love the law of attraction, but I think the messaging around it can get distorted because people think, oh, well, if I just think this way, or if I just meditate on this, then it'll happen. And that's not how life happens. You can think about whatever it is to the cows come home, you're going to wake up and things are going to look the same. That's why I don't believe in affirmations, right? I believe in positive self-talk. I believe in talking to yourself and telling yourself certain things and having realistic conversations with yourself. But affirmations, you know, you say, I'm not broke, I'm not broke, I'm not broke, or I'm a billionaire, I'm a billionaire, I'm a billionaire. And then you check your bank account and you're like, wait, I'm not, right? Reality sets in, right? And there's one thing that can't trick the brain, it's reality, right? And well, so, you, can, you can shift reality, of course. You can shift reality, but you can't lie to yourself. No. And there's a lot of people that lie to themselves in public, right? On social media or certain websites or whatever. And then you get home and then you're unfulfilled and you're unhappy with yourself. And it's because you're unauthentically showing up in society which is killing you inside. And I used to do that. And that's the only way I'm, the only reason I'm able to talk about it because I used to care too much about what other people thought instead of doing my own thing. And I, I've always been like that. And I think bullying has something to do with it, right? I was always trying to fit in. I was always trying to get people to like me. And so uh, I had to understand that, you know, you can't, don't apologize for being you. As long as you're a good person, as long as you're bringing something, uh, as long as you're contributing to society, as long as you're doing something to help other people, why, why would you hide anything that whoever created you, right? Whatever that thing is, whether you believe in God or something else, right? Why would you hide that? You're the greatest gift. I was listening to Gary Vee the other day and he says, you have one in four, a one in 400 trillion chance of being human. Like what? <laughs> one, one in 400 trillion of being human, right? And, and the greatest gift that I think it, uh, of all is realizing that it's not about us. It's about the people that you're, you're, you're here to help. And sometimes, you know, we get down on ourselves and I, I totally understand we all want things for ourselves. But when you understand that your job is to add more value to the world than to yourself, that's when the growth fulfillment comes, the growth and the contribution. It's so true. I mean, I always say that life is chiefly service, right? If, yeah, if you can absolutely. live a life of service and that's, you know, there's a difference between servitude and service. You know, when right. you can be of service to those around you and, and the world at, at large, your life opens up. I mean, if you want happiness, make someone happy. If you, you know, if you want abundance, make someone feel abundant. If you can do for the others, right, you're going to feel it for yourself. And so it's not about having a selfish motivation. It's just literally like you will not be in that selfish state if you are of service. And it's, it's really a magical thing that happens. I want to bring up real quick, you, you mentioned showing up as unauthentic, right? Or to be unapologetically, authentically yourself. And I am a huge proponent of that because I really think that there is nothing less attractive than someone trying to be something that they're not. It's A, it's so obvious, but yeah. B, it's just, you know, you are a special person. You, every single person is that you bring something that no one else can bring. You do something in a way that nobody else can. There is nobody that can be you more than you. And if you are trying to be something else, you are literally robbing the world of that special thing that you only can bring, right? And I think that that's such a powerful thing to say and a, and a powerful message to bring is that literally just just be yourself, you know, as mm -hmm. long as you're good, as long as you're not like, you know, trying to rip people off or whatever, you know, as long as you have good intentions, there is. And, and I just think that everyone should just kind of, you know, do the best that they can, obviously, but just be yourself. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I love what you just said. Be the best that you possibly can be, and, and, and do the best that you can. And I, I think we all have a moral obligation to society to, when we show up, we show up as our best selves, right? That that is your moral obligation because what it does is it creates this domino effect and kind of quantum leaps throughout the world, right? Because if you show up late to a meeting, what does it do to the other person? It throws them off, yeah. right? Or when you show up unprepared, what does it do to the other person? It shows them that, hey, I can't rely on, on other people, right? Or, or this person isn't prepared. So I got to get off the phone with them. And then now you have this mentality like, okay, who else isn't prepared today, right? So I, I try to be objective to my view on, on the world because sometimes we start to get sucked in by our, our situation. And we start, I remember, I, you know, like a week or two ago, I had three calls. One showed up late, other one rescheduled. And then the other one was like a no-show. And I was like, there's, there's no freaking way. And, and these are like high-level people. These aren't like, you know, just running the mill people. These are high-level people. And, I'm, and, and you know, you want to kind of chuck it up to COVID, right? And you're like, okay, you know, we're dealing with this. I understand things happen. But sometimes, you know, I, I understand where, 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 where things are, but I, I have to hold people accountable. And I think that's the big, big thing when, you know, looking at developing yourself is holding you, yourself as well as the people around you accountable. Between accountability and transparency, I think those are the two things right now that the entire world needs from, from, from the government um, <laughs> on down. And, and I'm not here to talk politics, but the way that you know this, this pandemic has been handled in the States is, is an atrocity. And so there's a lot of things that are shifting. There's a lot of things that are changing. And I know, I mean, we had a, we had a brief talk about you know, what you're up to. And I know you're, you're operating on a, on a much higher level spiritually and energetically. And so you're seeing this shift. It's, it's, it's just right there before your eyes. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that there's a lot of things that do need to change. But I also believe that a lot of things have already shifted. I think that the wheels are in motion. I think that we're going to end up with a better future. I believe in the inherent goodness of people. And maybe that's naive. But I truly believe that on an internal level, everyone is literally doing the best that they can from the perspective that they have. Like if you look at the villain in the story, I really believe that the villain believes that they're doing the right thing. I don't think that the villain is just there to cause chaos and evil. And yes, there are some people who do that. But at the end of the day, I really think that all of that comes from fear. It comes from pain. It comes from suffering. And, and if given the right circumstance, I really believe that people tend towards good. And, and I'm never going to let that go because then the, the cynicism sets in. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where I, I really think that the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, it's about really trying to help people open up to the fact that, hey, you know what? I can just do my best. I can just do my best and my best will change from day to day maybe because, you know, maybe I didn't sleep so well last night or or maybe I just, I didn't eat the right food because I was too busy focused on whatever it was. And so my energy levels are a little low, but I'm still going to do the best that I can in this moment and I'm going to show up. And if people just start doing that, that's what enhanced living is all about. It's about becoming the best version of yourself in every capacity. So it's very similar to to the high stakes training program in the sense that you have to evolve your body, you have to evolve your mind, you have to evolve your spirit. You know, for me, yeah, I meditate. I meditate every day for 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes at night or whatever it is. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but I don't skip it. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to do that. It's not a one size fits all thing. 
But you do have to take some time to check in with yourself and to kind of set an intention for the day. And it doesn't mean that you you predict the day and you're like, well, this is going to happen and that's going to. No, today is going to be an amazing day. Why? Because I believe it will. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the best job I can do. And I'm going to be of service in the best way that I can. And if people can do that, your life opens up. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you're talking about, you know, you were talking about your purpose and identifying and understanding your purpose, right? Everybody's purpose is different, right? Your purpose right now is, is very similar to mine, but you know, how you, you, you define and how you live that purpose is, is very, very different. And that is ultimately what we're on a, on a search for, right? As, as people is understanding why I'm here. And I think we're, as we live, we get closer and closer to that, but you know, I, I have some older mentors and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid to early thirties and, you know, they're, you know, 60, 70 and they're like, you have no idea what life is about yet. And so life is a conquest of being able to get closer and closer to that underlying fundamental purpose of why you're here every single day. And once you seek that, and, and it has nothing to do with, with, with money. It has nothing to do with financial gain. It has everything to do with, with, with impact, right? Impact towards the people around you, impact in your family, impact with your friends and your community. Because, you know, this is a question I ask a lot. But the reason why I ask it is because it is, it is so thought provoking and it really touches you at your core. But where are you going to be or, or, or what do you want to be remembered in the next 200 years for? When books are gone, when the internet is the only thing here and your grandchildren or somebody else out there that doesn't even know who you are, types your name into Google or whatever we have at that time, what do you want to be known for? What, what do you want the web pages to pull up? What do you want it to say about you? And that right there, when you tap into that, that is when you unleash the beast within, right? Because we all, we all want to find that thing that lights us on fire. and the thing that moves anything in this world is energy. If you're operating without any energy, you're going to die out. So that question right there is something I ask myself sometimes daily, other times, you know, weekly, just depends on what I'm going through. But keeping questions like that at the forefront that you ask yourself daily is what allows you to push through those difficult times or the times that you really don't want to do something. That's so powerful, by the way. We live in an age of technology where everything is recorded online. And, and in 200 years from now, if the species is still around, um, which we will, we will be, people are going to look, you know, if you're, if your distant relatives look you up, yeah. What, what do you want to be known for? I think that is, I think that is such a brilliant way to live because that, that really brings you to your highest level of self, right? Because you're not going to want to be known for, oh, I don't know, he bullied people or, he, you know, you're going to want to be known for the, the, the best things that you did. And so why not aspire to those right now? Right. 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 So, for instance, do you know who the richest man in the world was in 1979? I don't. Right? Because there was no impact left. There was nothing that helped anybody else around him. So, it's actually, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Hunt Brothers, um, but they actually own the Kansas City Chiefs. That is their, that is their legacy right now. Okay? They won their, their first Super Bowl and God knows how. <laughs> right. You know, at one point, they were trying to corner the silver market. And so, what they did is they pretty much bought all the silver as much as they possibly could. And they, they come from their father was in the oil business. And so uh, what happened is silver shot up almost 50%. So they held on to it. And then what happened is a few months later, 
it dropped below 20, uh, it dropped 50%, actually 70%, so 20% below where they bought it at. And so they almost lost, you know, most of everything. But I say that to say this is they were looking at financial upside for themselves. And I, and I truly believe once you have everything that you possibly need within your means, trying to beat the next person for financial gain is the first way to ruin your life. I couldn't agree with that more. Like I said, I mean, it, it all comes back to being of service, right? Is it nice to have the, the nice house and the cars? Yeah, go enjoy that. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. I always say that, you know, if you want to enjoy material wealth, that's great. But unless you're adding value to your life and those around you, you're wasting your time because all those material things are transient. They will disappear at some point. And if your happiness is based on those things, then your happiness can be taken away from you. And so a lot of people don't realize that. They think that when they have you know, the nice car and the nice house and the bling everywhere that they're just going to be so happy. And it's like, no, that's not what makes you happy. You know, what makes you happy is those moments. Like when I spend time with my son and, and we all say something and all of a sudden he just starts laughing and like that pure, just laughing joy, like that is the most amazing sound in the world for me. And providing joy for other people. When I when I go out and do something and someone and I can see the, the gratitude in someone's face, that to me is worth more than any amount of money in the world because I know that I've done something for that person that made their day better. And so if we could all live in that, and I'm not saying I'm the example because I'm far from perfect, but- We all are. Yeah. But if we could all just go out and, and try to add a little bit of value to each other, can you imagine how quickly the world would change? Yeah, this is this is why I, I recommend, and this is my challenge to you know everybody listening to this is for the next one for the next week for the next seven days, every person that you have a phone call with, a Zoom meeting with, an in person meeting with, try to figure out how to add more value to them than they're adding to you. That's that is your 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 challenge for the next seven days, and after that, I want you guys to check in with me whether it's on social media, email, whatever it is. I I, I love getting back to people and tell me how your life is transformed just by that one. Act. I love that. And actually, challenge accepted for me. I will definitely take that challenge right here. Brett's information will be in the show notes below. So if you want to reach out to him, please, please do. Brett, tell me what's lighting you up right now, right in this moment. What are you excited about? My biggest pursuit right now is being able to master my mind. And the reason being is because COVID has been the most challenging time, I think, for everybody, including myself, and not not from a, uh, some people from an economic perspective, me not so much, but but I'm the type of person, once, you, once you've had something at a very, very high level, and you're used to a certain lifestyle, you need just the, the, the thing to be able to light you on fire, right? And so I can't hit anybody anymore. As much as I want to sometimes, you know, I can't, I can't run through anybody anymore. And so I was working out, I was, you know, I'd go skydiving here and there. I was doing, I was trying to kind of get into more uh, on the extreme sports side of things. And so right now, those things are limited for me. So for me, I've had to really dial in and figure out how to master my mind. Uh, because if you can master your mind, you can master your life. And so I've actually gone back to the basics right now. I actually just hired a memory and speed reading coach. So I'm way too excited to, to talk about, um, you know, that. But his reading speed, he, he's bilingual. His reading speed in English, 2,800 words a minute. And it's Spanish is 37. So to say the least, I'm, I'm pumped up about it. But that in its own in its own right is, is really kind of the main thing I'm focused on. And the second thing I'm focused on is being able to help others do the same thing right now in their life and in their business. Because a lot of my clients, 
their businesses have, have all been impacted. Some of them actually doing much better than when COVID hit, but really being able to dial in and figure out what are the, where are we going next, right? The average person can only really look three steps ahead. And so what we're, where I'm really trying to get a lot of my clients to uh, mind at is to be able to focus deeply on where they're going and be able to map, not just three steps or four steps, but try to map out all the way to 10 steps, right? Geniuses, there's only like 200 of these people in, 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 the, in the world, in the entire you know, world. And these people can, can have anywhere between 500 to 1,000 scenarios going on in their, in their mind playing out simultaneously. These are like the Elon Musk is of the world, if you will. So that's kind of where I've been at is just focusing more internally um, on things I can control, uh, as well as trying to help the people around me and the, the people that I'm working with. I love that. And I, I want to clarify too, just for, for my listeners real quick, you know, when you, when you talk about high level people, you're not talking about people on a different level in the sense that, that one's better than, than another. Right. I just want to clarify that, yeah. you know, when Brett's saying high level people, he's saying people who have attained a level of success that some people don't even think that they're capable of doing. I've had conversations with Brett. I know that he's, he's someone who believes in, in equity and equality and, and, and that we're all, you know, capable of expanding beyond wherever we are. So when he's saying high level people, he's talking about people who have literally achieved that level of just massive success. And, and he's looking at other people and going, Hey, listen, you know, come on up. You can do the same thing. You just have to believe and put in the work. Exactly. And I thank you for, for clarifying that because sometimes that does get lost in context and, and you're absolutely right. When I mean high level people, I mean people that don't have to worry about paying their bills, yeah. people that need to find a deeper meaning in their life outside of making money and, 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 and their relationships and figuring out what the next big thing is that they want to do in their life. And for those who aren't at that level, the goal is to be able to get there eventually. And it all happens with time. It all happens with consistency and effort. But it really starts with making what you said earlier, a decision. If you decide that I am going to do this and, and, and nothing is going to stop me, the universe opens up for you. It's the weirdest thing. And, and I have gotten actually really good at it, you know, especially during COVID. I'm like, okay, I need to find this type of person. Two days later, shows up or I need this. And I, it almost happens on a weekly basis. And so I just start setting my intentions that, hey, this is what I want. This is what I need or this is what I want to give. And it, it just all starts kind of culminating together. It's, it's I, I like to say it's strange, but it's not because I believe it. it it'd be strange if I didn't believe it, right? It's so true. Look, the law of attraction works, but you have to work it as well. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the side that's missing. It's yes, you can envision it. You can set your intention, but you can't just sit in your bedroom and expect things to just come to you. I mean, look, you could develop your mental acuity and your your psychic abilities, you know, to the point where you could potentially do that. But less than like one percent of one percent of one percent of one percent of the population will ever actually get there with the law of attraction that everyone has the ability to use, it's, it's really very simple. Set your intention and then you're going to get a little idea of inspiration. You're going to get an idea like, oh, I should do this. Most people ignore that and they're like, no, 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 it's going to come to me. And then you get another idea and it's like, no, 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 it's going to, no, follow that inspiration. Go take the action. Go take the action because that's how you're going to get to where you want to go. And sometimes you don't even, you don't, where you want to go doesn't even look like what you think it looks like. That's no, the crazy no. thing. Not at all. And I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a testament to that. And, and I, I'll leave you with, with this, because I know we're running close on time. So there's this, this acronym that I use. It's called SIP, right? S-I-M. And the S stands for set, okay? The I is your intention. So set your intentions, okay? 
And then the F is for focus. So set your intentions and focus. And if you do that, I'm telling you, it, it, and, and what is focus? Because people think, oh, focus is, hey, I got to pay attention to this thing. It's not. Focus is eliminating all distractions. If you can set your life up to eliminate all the distractions, all the negative people, all the notifications on the phone, going on social media instead of using it as a tool, using it for pleasure, right? When you, when you eliminate all those things that you know aren't moving you in the direction you want to be in, that is the key. That's brilliant. I think that is a wonderful place to be. Set your intention and focus. Brett, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and and learning more. For more information on Brett, just check out the show notes below. Thank you so much, Brett. Oh, Adam, it's been a pleasure, man. You're you're, you're an amazing guy, and um, I'm, I'm excited to. We got to get together in LA. Once that sounds wonderful. We're, we're, we're definitely getting together. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you thank so you. much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.